Hello, and welcome to another episode of Throwdown, an action cinema podcast where we take you through every decade and every corner of the world of action cinema. I'm one of your hosts, Jack, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Vaughn. Ho, 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 and Merry Christmas, Vaughn. Welcome to our Christmas episode. Merry Christmas, Jack, and yippee-ki-yay. It's time to talk about Die Hard. <laughs> so let's get let's get the, the sort of uh, the formalities out of the way. Yes, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I don't care what sort of internet argument you've been reading. If a movie is set around Christmas, let alone Christmas Day, it's a Christmas movie. You can I'm go very back much to with BuzzFeed you. clickbait articles <laughs> like disputing that. But Die Hard, for me, is a, a Christmas classic. It's one of my parents' favorite movies. I've seen this movie a thousand different times. I probably watch it every Christmas, let maybe every other Christmas in recent years. I'm a big fan of some of the sequels. I think as a series as a whole it sort of slips and goes down in quality what's your relationship with die hard as a as a movie or a franchise i am not nearly as as close to it it's Mm. been a long time since i've watched it actually um i think when i went to log it after watching it for the show i realized that i don't think i've logged it since i've had my letterboxd account so it's been okay been quite a while um i've definitely watched it several times in the in the past but it has been a while i do remember um my dad showing it to me when i was younger and definitely being a big fan of it i haven't actually seen all of the sequels i think i've the only i think the only sequel i have actually seen is the fourth one oh, um, with kevin <laughs> smith and justin long with oh, justin long yeah um so i do need to go and, and watch the better sequels at some point but i do love die hard die hard is great um die hard 2 i feel is a it came out very quickly after die hard and is very much a let's kind of just do die hard again okay in a different location right. so because of that feels a bit of a con like a bit of a letdown it just it, it it kind of pulls like some characters back that you don't really necessarily need to bring back for the the sequel um it brings back uh reginald val johnson's cop character just for like a little brief cameo which feels a little pointless yeah but it's again set at christmas and he's just doing the same thing but it's in a, an airport terminal okay. i like it but it's not great whereas die hard with a vengeance or die hard 3 which is di- directed by the the same person here as, as this one john mcturnan that's a much more interesting premise to me is that it's john mcclain being teamed up with a man on the street and every man samuel l jackson in a game of like simon says so they are being tormented by this this ghostly figure that they can't quite work out it's a very like intricately woven mystery of who is setting off all these bombs around the city and they have to try and work out who it is and stop him whilst having to do right. his sort of jig- jigsaw trap shenanigans or else a school will blow up. I have a lot of fun. It's a great, like, one long day, one hot summer's evening that, sort yeah. of movie. Always a big fan of those. Um, and John McClane just gets increasingly more frustrated, which I always like. So what do you think about Bruce Willis as a, as a performer, as, a, as an action star? Because this is very much one of his first defining roles. Like, he, yeah. was, he, was, he was a TV guy and he was doing some indie stuff first. He was doing some stand-up-y bits. And then Die Hard really sort of rocketed him to, like, stardom, I think. Yeah, definitely. I like Bruce Willis a lot. I think this is definitely, I think, 
at least from what I've seen, I think this is definitely his his strongest kind of leading action mm-hmm. man performance. Um, but I do I do like him a lot. I love when he shows up in just about anything that I've seen. Um, I feel like a lot of his performances and a lot of his like public persona over the the nineties and the two thousands into the twenty tens are very much rooted in his character of John McClane. Yeah, definitely. A lot of his performance and his sort of like cock of the walk, witty, joking to himself attitude. I feel like a lot of that comes from what he's working with in the character of John McClane. And I'd be interested to know how much of that is through direction or is that just a Bruce Willis decision? Because I should say this is based on a novel, which I've not actually read before, but I was very surprised to find out I didn't know it's that based either. on a novel. This is based on Roderick Thorpe's Nothing Lasts Forever. And I'd like to I'd like to read it at some point, but also I'd much rather be watching Die Hard because it's such <laughs> a, a visual feast. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's such a cinematic idea. Um, and the nature of the the terrorist takeover of Nakatami Plaza set at Christmas, I feel like it brings such a variety of things to the plate. Um, I, I think there's a different, a couple of different through lines which keep this film very interesting for me. It's not just the the takeover and the one man's response to it, but it's also it's it's talking about sort of uh, the the corruption in the police force. It's also talking about the the hierarchy within law enforcement it's also talking about the news broadcasts and how how like amoral they can be and yeah how sort of manipulative they can be for the sole ratings of views and things but it's also very funny i think it has a really sharp screenplay and definitely I really enjoy the characterizations of everyone as well yeah, it, because it had been a while since I'd watched it, there was a lot that I, I didn't really remember, kind of the the nitty-gritty and the specificity of mm. a lot of it. And especially going in, I was like, wow, this is two hours and 12 minutes long. Like, it feels a lot longer than I it was in my memory, at least. But mm-hmm. none of that at all, you know, feels wasted. It doesn't feel too long. I, at one no, point, realized I was only, like, halfway through. And I was like, it was like, it's nice to be excited when you realize you're only halfway yeah. through. And I was like, oh, I've got so much of this left. And I know that there's these these beats that it's still building to. Um, yeah, it's just, it was it was such a blast to to watch it again. And it's definitely interesting watching it from kind of a different perspective and and definitely finding more of those little things in between that I hadn't really noticed before or picked out before and definitely that the the police stuff is is super interesting I think the the way that it just the police come in after first ignoring all of the the <laughs> his attempts to uh, contact them and get them involved and when they finally do show up they basically just make everything worse for the entire film yeah um, yeah which is uh, a great way to do things. It's he's he's in there and he's the only one that can solve this problem. And it's good though because it's not like he immediately locks into the situation and forms a plan and works out how to save the day. It is such a scrappy, desperate performance. Yeah. Um, through this character, like Bruce Willis plays it really, really well. That he's constantly just trying to get a hold of the situation, trying to work out in real time what to do he's kind of the everyman in that aspect even um once things go south initially in in the plaza like john is having to well he's making balls with his toes on the carpet because at the beginning of the movie right. the guy on the plane <laughs> told him that's that's a good way to like readjust to the climate or whatever and that sets him up for being barefoot for the rest of the movie yeah. and like that just knocks him down a peg already like imagine having to do this 
anyway, let alone barefoot treading through glass. I think it's a really economic way of um, setting that screenplay up, just little character motions. Um, but yeah, he's constantly undermining himself. He's constantly just like, yeah. what are you doing, John? What the hell am I doing here? He's never confident with what is... Like, towards the end of the movie, he gets a bit more of the right. confidence when he feels like he's got the upper hand with Hans Gruber and and places like that. And the, the emotional through line as well is a little a little undermined, I think. His connection with Holly is is there, but I feel like a lot of the, the desperation and his attempts to win back that relationship are uh, left at the, the sort of background of the movie, yeah. just because um, the, the terrorist takeover is much more interesting. But I, I do like how thematically he he doesn't even converse with his wife throughout the whole of the movie, just sort of justifying the, 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 the different the difficulties they've been having in terms of communication right. and he's talking to a different cop about his, his right. relationship <laughs> and stuff the whole time i feel like that was a, a nice little character moment in a in a film that's full of nice little characters yeah he's definitely one of the most well written or most interestingly written action stars of the time i think like it's such a great character like you said where he's he doesn't have a handle on the situation at all and he doesn't really know what he's doing and i love that at least in the first act there's several times where he finds himself alone in a room and he just keeps saying to himself think 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 he's like just trying to figure yeah, out yeah, yeah. any plan and i think that it definitely sets it apart because you've got so many action stars at the time and i mean even to, to now who are basically just superheroes and can kind of yeah, do anything yeah, yeah. you're never worried about them and uh, as in terms of them you know being in danger or anything but John McClane is such a perfect character where he always is kind of just riding the line of like being in control of the situation or even just mm -hmm. barely surviving being totally out of control of the situation, um, which I think is something that um, McTiernan does really well. Like it's kind of the same in um, Predator where his, his characters are totally out of their depth and he does a great job of kind of showing their exasperation and their kind mm. of battle damage as the, the film progresses. By the end of the film, it's John McClane is just covered in blood and cuts and bruises <laughs> from everything he's been through, which is great for yeah, an gets, action star. Exactly. You want an action star to feel like they've been through an action right. movie. Like this isn't an everyday occurrence. You want them to feel like and look like they've got through this adventure by the skin of their teeth like he's barely surviving he should be dead he knows he right. should be dead and there are several points uh throughout the movie where he's at like almost breaking point just trying to work out what to do and i i really enjoy that that, that character is completely offset by the antagonist the main antagonist the main uh, terrorist of the film the hans gruber played by the late great alan rickman yes um this is such a once in a lifetime performance from rickman here and really his his first like notable performance yeah. at all he was in a couple of things yeah, yeah. before this but this was like his first kind of starring role and yeah he just absolutely knocks it out of the park as hans gruber he plays gruber as this this sort of like calm and calculating figure that like keeps his cards quite close to his chest yeah which is completely like the opposite of mclean who is constantly talking out loud trying to work out right. what's going on <laughs> what's what to do and mcgruber has this sort of um mcgruber not mcgruber <laughs> gruber mcgruber is the snl action star um gruber constantly has this this meticulously thought out like heist plan with his his group of german henchmen 
um, and the offset between the two of them and the, the psychological war games and the mind yeah, games that they play between each other is really good as well. He's a very atypical villain and that like he never he is very cold and calculating and he never gets into that mo- mode of like kind of villain monologuing. He never explains his plan fully to anybody yeah, in the yeah, film. Yeah. So even through the whole film, you're kind of trying to figure out the exact motivation of, of him and his band of terrorists. And you never quite get there. It's like McLean is kind of always trying to piece it together and figure out what exactly they're up to. He's like, they're, they seem like they have money already and they're wealthy. And yeah, is this yeah, yeah. politically motivated or do they just want to get more? Like he can't really tell and you get sort of glimpses of it from Gruber as a villain, but there's no point where he's like, here's my master plan and here's why I'm doing it. It's just like things are happening and they're in motion and he doesn't have time to, or have interest uh-huh. even in explaining it to, to anybody else. He's just going to execute that plan and nothing's going to get in his way. I think that the, the quiet confidence of Gruber sort of off, uh, upsets McLean even further just because he, 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 he knows that the person he's against is such a, um, like a controlling person. He knows that they're going to be in control of the situation. He's constantly feeling out of his depth and he's going for those easy wins. He doesn't try and immediately think i know how to handle this situation he's doing things like pulling fire alarms or right. you know taking taking notes on his arm of like what the names of the guys are yeah. and trying to use whatever little scrappy methods he can use to try and get through this night and try and hopefully save some people yeah he can never quite figure gruber out he's he's kind of like you can tell that he's never faced anyone like that. You know, he's a cop, but obviously this is not the the everyday kind of uh, no, street uh, thug the, that he's, street, he's yeah. facing, you know. And he's he definitely, he tries a lot of different things to sort of get under Gruber's skin that never really work. You know, he's, he's throwing his henchmen's bodies at him with notes written as kind of scare tactics. And Gruber just kind of is like, <laughs> all right, let's, we're moving on. He's got a machine gun. Yeah. How are we going to solve this problem? Yeah, it's this like extended game of cat and mice, cat and mouse, or more like cats and one mouse, yeah. just because <laughs> like he is very much the target at this point. Yeah, they constantly outgunned. Outgunned. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also like the high rise, the the Nakatomi Plaza is such a, a great environment for a story yeah. like this, just because it's such a, a versatile building. It's such a large scale building. You have different areas and different levels that are like furnished differently. Some are still under development. You have the rooftop. You have yeah. the, the, the the hostages in the base, like the base levels there. That whole narrative is going down whilst John is upstairs trying to work out what's going on. And then the outside world is a different sort of environment in and of itself. You have the police procedural going on there. And then the news reporter stuff is there. And the edit juggles all four of these things really well, I find. Just yeah, to try yeah. and keep... Everything's interconnected, but it feels like there are separate little stories going on at the same time that each have an influence on each other. Yeah, it's it's definitely... It has a great job with that that sense of space. And there's it's such a unique set to be... And, and place to be filming and having this, this whole thing play out. And I don't think I've really ever seen anything like it since even where it's got this, this very specific high rise location where you do have like these, it's basically kind of the, the upper floors and then the, the lower stuff that's happening down below. And there's kind of mm-hmm. this, 
this ghost land in the middle that nobody can kind of get through and the the cops at the bottom and the fbi at the bottom are, are trapped down there and they can't get up and nobody at the top can get down and you've kind of got these these things clashing against each other and then you've got the the underground levels where you've got argyle just sitting in the car <laughs> oblivious in his the whole limo. time <laughs> yeah first time driving a limo um it's mclean's first time riding in a limo and argyle <laughs> spends the entire movie sat <laughs> listening to the broadcasts and listening to like run dmc christmas albums with a huge stuffed bear i love that the soundtrack i think is really why it is so much more definitively a christmas movie for me there's so many like mm-hmm. christmas songs in it i'm like it is yeah you can i can see dismissing it as it's not really a Christmas movie just because it's set around Christmas, but I'm like, it is also sure. very specifically about <laughs> Christmas, and there's so much Christmas in it, and the the credits needle drop is also Christmas music. It's uh, exactly yeah. There is there's there's a, there's a warmth to it, in just in the sense of like traveling for the holidays, even if it's about like a, a disconnected family at that point. There is that sort of um, winter thickness to the air in the evening, even though yeah. it's set in LA. There is a, there's a warmth to it before. All the terrorists take over but even that then there's the like the the work christmas party think, yeah and this very corporate lifestyle in the 80s which we we still have a bit of now but not as not as glamorous as the Definitely. cocaine 80s of this movie but yeah i think that that kind of seasonal stuff does play into it i think it it adds into everyone in the film just being exhausted you know it's the end of the year it's their kind of final hurrah before the work is over and they can celebrate Mm -hmm. the holidays and nobody wants to be there anyway but uh here we are and everyone just kind of wants to to go home but we've got to fight through it and deal with this and you've got um i cannot remember that that character's name um harry yeah <laughs> who, uh, harry thinks who he's tries a, to negotiate and doing thinks coke he's, like, thinks he's above him. it all yeah <laughs> he thinks he's gonna save the day and he's just like getting things even more complicated and trying to help john out and john's like harry they're gonna get you killed this yeah. is not good <laughs> well, i really I- like the mystery of um uh, Holly being sort of involved in the lower deck situation and trying to hide the fact that the man right. crawling around in the building is very much her her husband there and hiding the photo and then Gruber slowly starts to piece it together. Yeah. That's a great reveal. Yeah, I think it's also it's great that I think the the separation of it and really adds to McLean as a hero because you get this these moments where once the police do start showing up and he's saying I'm up here I'm trying to defuse the situation I'm a cop and nobody down there has any idea or any way of knowing Mm -hmm. that that's true and they're kind of like well how do I know that you're not also one of them and it's kind of this constant mess of of everyone down there not having the same information and McLean's exasperation of like I'm just trying to like get help but I can't and I have to deal with this on my own and Willis is really good at playing that sort of exasperated yeah. like, on the verge of snapping uh, through like a comedic tone like his chops as like a, a stand-up comedian and a comedic performance uh, performer really shines here just like those moments where he is just talking to himself or, or or talking over the 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 sort of walkie-talkie system that they've got going on yeah uh he's a really really fun heroic performance but you never feel like he's gloating or right. knows he's got the upper hand it is still scrappy and and sort of down to earth but cheeky as well yeah you get the sense it's it's very specific in that you get this sense that he's not like making jokes because he is 
he thinks he's above them or because he thinks like he's he's confident that he's going to come out victorious it very much feels like he is kind of doing that as a coping mechanism of i need to kind of keep things light to for my own sanity and it's it definitely doesn't feel like a kind of like marvel hero quippiness it's very much like i'm no, exhausted yeah. and i i have to kind of keep making jokes to get myself through this it's the, he's just the type of character he is like in yeah as you say in the marvel universe everyone is the comedian everyone right. is quipping everyone has to be the class clown whereas him whereas here it is very much john mcclane is the class clown in a in a terrorist takeover <laughs> situation um yeah there's so many great um henchmen as well his whole uh, mm. gruber's whole gang of of henchmen are great the kind of like a mul- multinational group of of terrorists there's like italians and germans and there's an american the guy yeah. an american guy just like as the guy in the chair sort of hacking through and um infiltrating the building at the drilling start. the vault yeah yeah i really like um when characters pretend to be american and when they're coded as the terrorists already so when like one of them takes over the security position at the oh, desk. Right, yeah, yeah. He's just watching like some random football game and he's talking <laughs> in like a, a pretty okay American accent. But it's when Gruber faces McLean yes. for the first time and plays a really like hammy American accent through the German accent he's already yeah. putting on. Which I think that's pretty really, impre- really it's good. Extremely impressive. It's really clever to do like two layers of accent work and have it come out okay and then yeah those the psychological mind games they play together in that and trying to work out who the other one is and what's going on and then mclean gives him the gun and he doesn't have any bullets in it and that's a great reveal and oh yeah that whole sequence is because it's been so long i had completely forgotten about that but watching that again i was just like this this whole like perfect setup here is is so fantastic of like they are finally coming face to face Gruber obviously has the upper hand because he knows who he is facing. He knows McLean exa- has yeah. no idea, and he does perfectly play that role of like this this cowering party guest who has landed in the wrong spot. And uh, <laughs> oh, what am God, I going to do in this situation? And yeah, it's there's there's so much actual palpable tension in what's going to happen to John McLean in this situation. But and that that reveal of he has the upper hand because he didn't put any bullets in is is just perfect it's just a really really good screenplay and i would be interested to know how much of this is in the original novel and how much of this is just crafted for the screen yeah just because it feels really really economic in the way it, it it tells these story beats and how it links them together with these like uh like tension and release moments that make it really really enduring at uh, the score as well you mentioned sort of the, the christmas needle drops but the the actual original like score by michael Kamen, i think is really really good at accentuating both the light-hearted comedic moments and like the more sinister moments with with gruber and his crew like when they're when they first infiltrate the um when when they're first introduced in their sort of truck heading up towards the nakatomi plaza they have such like a brooding like villainous theme that plays um but then that will return later on in the picture and we'll have more playful incidental music while things are going on but there's 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 such a great sense of um, like mystery and action yeah. through that through that score. Yeah, yeah, the music's great. I also really am a, a huge fan. I definitely noticed the the cinematography this time. Um, Jan de Bont, who did a mm. does a fantastic job with kind of 
taking it through the night and it's starting with those kind of these these glowy orange sunset shots at the beginning and then kind of taking it through this the the internal of Nakatomi Plaza and it falling tonight and then it does a great job of, of showing off the kind of slow deterioration and destruction of everything as everything is uh, mm-hmm. going down and things are starting to explode and it's fantastic yeah some great dolly work when you're going through different different moments yeah. whether you're following just john on his own navigating throughout the the building or if you're you're like showcasing a gunfight or a, a sort of a, a con confrontation between john and one of the henchmen there's some really there's a like lot of great photography subtle kind of inventive flourishes that i think are easy to to miss but one that really stood out to me was when um when he jumps down from the roof with the uh, the fire hose, the hose, the hose there's pipe, a shot yeah. where he he jumps through the window and then you see the fire hose fall behind him and there's like this just absolutely perfectly timed focus pull that goes onto his face of just like oh, he's wow. survived this and i just love like there's so many of those kind of hidden throughout of just like perfect little camera flourishes that i don't th- that don't call attention to themselves but are really yes, impressive yeah that's what they say about editing like the best type of editing is one you don't notice right. the best sort of cinematography is where it all just feels naturally intrinsic yeah. to the film at hand you don't notice like as you say they're not pulling attention to it these little flourishes they're constant but they're not overly flashy to the point where it's detracting from the actual narrative thrust of things it is very much a justification a reinforcement of these little tools and little elements to that that main crux so you know it's it's funny we've gotten most of the way through the episode but i feel like we haven't even really talked about the actual action of this uh this movie yet <laughs> there's so many great sequences here there's there's a lot lots of great stuff i feel like it it has this perfect kind of constant rise and fall where it's not like it's it's not kind of the the hong kong approach of like constant wall-to-wall action and it's not like it's necessarily a slow crescendo to like one big set piece but there is like mm-hmm. a constant kind of back and forth between these like big fast action sequences where you've got bullets flying and squibs popping and then you've got like these kind of lulls where it goes back into kind of solving what's going on and figuring out mm-hmm. what's going to happen next and then you build back up to the next thing it's a it's a really great pacing as far as how it, it really plays re- each, really each well sequence. paced yeah it knows where to place its beats and it, you, you, at no point are you thinking like wow it's been a while since john has you know caught right. up in some other thing like it's been a while since we've had like a decent action sequence it's all like neatly stringed along together that you are just waiting for something to go next you don't know necessarily how it's going to happen but you know as you said it's it's a nice up and down of the the sort of tension where like he's kind of picking off these guys one by one because they're all coming up to investigate and then you'll have that that sort of the the fallout of that and then the other guys finding out and then trying to respond to that and then McLean moving to a different position and then responding to that. It is a great sort of like call and response way of framing the action here. Yeah, and I think like the positioning of him as never really being in control of the situation gives it all like there's this constant tension of when there's not an actual like big bombastic action sequence happening, you are just like waiting for it or there is like 
you can see kind of plotting the henchmen like okay they're moving in on him but he doesn't really have a plan how is he going to get out of this one or now he's in the vents and they're like investigating the vents and poking at him like how is he gonna Mm -hmm. it's always like how is he going to get out of this or then if he's not actively trying to like survive a moment or waiting for the next moment it is like bullets flying crazy action and those those little sequences that that pop out in between are just fantastic and we said it doesn't climax like or build to a, a massive crescendo but the the sequence on the rooftop i think is is a, is a great way to sort of cap the movie off it doesn't oh, feel yeah it doesn't feel like that's where all the money went that's all where the focus and emphasis right. went like it feel it feels very much like a natural conclusion to the the story and the action that we've seen previously throughout the whole movie there and as you say as he is jumping down with the 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 fire hose stuff some of the photography around that and the photography of gruber falling out the window right at the end i think is like i was trying to find some behind the scenes footage because it it was crazy how much uh like how realistic it looks of like this i don't don't know if it's a fake body or a stunt person just falling like so many stories high but it's a really 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 well done shot yeah, there's that that classic story of Die Hard of where they didn't tell uh, Rickman exactly when they were going to drop oh, him. Yes. So that that look of fear <laughs> on his face when he's initially it's falling genuine. is is very genuine. And it, it definitely I, I was I was thinking about that during that sequence, and I was like, yeah, he looks pretty terrified. It's uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> he looks pretty scared. <laughs> that's really good. I bet he was cursing them after the oh, production sure. wrap, but that's so good. <laughs> but yeah, that oh. that final sequence is such a great culmination of everything because you get like this kind of final stand of the the terrorists and all of them that are left on the rooftop and they're all just kind of unloading on john and he's running out of spaces to hide and you've also got the uh the cops with their helicopters are starting to circle the rooftop and they're uh, they don't know which one is john they don't so know they're who's just, who they're so just they're, blindly they're shooting at a guy shots, with a gun yeah. so yeah it's a great like everything is happening all at the same time all these little threads that have built up and now he's got to escape this. <laughs> How is he going to get out of this one? Because it seems yeah very insurmountable. There's a lot of little threads that run out through the whole film, which is why I think it's it's it is so great. And even the end point where you know John is reunited with Holly, and it seems the the day is over, the day is saved, and there's that one last bloody one German last henchman, alive, yeah. and it, it's down to um, what's the character's name? Uh, Powell, I think. Reg- Powell, it's up to Powell, who has you know his story, his thread throughout the film is him being like taking a desk job because he accidentally shot a kid, and like, you think he's gonna have some sort of redemptive arc, and that comes through saving like everyone yeah. while they're unprepared, and this German comes rushing out. It's like a, it's not like the most natural conclusion to a little beat, but I think it's like a nice little. Uh, like start, middle, and end point for a, a narrative thread that's been such a an, a, a an important part of the communicative aspect of John's character. Yeah, it's definitely like the most questionable thread, I would say, because it is a, a strange thing to insert. Like, I like that character, mm-hmm. but when he starts talking about his background and he's like, "Oh, you know, I just opened fire on a child because he had a ray gun," <laughs> and I'm like, mm, "I don't know about mm. this, like the redemption yeah. of this guy." But it's uh, a it's a weird. But the the best one is the understated part where John is approached by the news guy who who he doesn't know has been sort of like tormenting his family yeah. this whole night and going to his house, and he just punches the guy seemingly without. Risk really like putting together everything like, he's been watching bits of the broadcast and everything but he does not know the full extent of what this man has been doing this evening i love that it just punches him straight square in the jaw 
Yeah, that character is such a slime ball in the way he like is really going around the ball. city and lying to people to try and get his way and just and just like getting facts and figures wrong and things on the broadcast. Yeah, um, trying to act really smug and smart and being put in his place. Such a slime ball character in a in a film full of really well done characters. I, I really appreciate. Yeah, but that. yeah, there are so many of those those little threads that are just like it doesn't feel like they are disparate threads you know they're they're woven through no. so well it's just like little things kind of popping up here and there and then you kind of there is that realization at the end of like oh wow there are so many different things that all kind of came together without even they're so perfectly uh spliced throughout the film mm-hmm. but yeah that's die hard everybody uh die hard from 1988 yes. i think one of my my favorite sort of seasonal classics i think it's it's talked about a lot this time of year just because it is such a huge action blockbuster for the late 80s but i think it very much holds up and is just a, Most a perfect little yeah. economically made little movie there yeah i was had a had a blast with it so vaughn have you picked something out for our first episode of 2024 so i actually well yes and no so i interesting I will admit that it, this this recording has been delayed a couple of times, and I had mm-hmm. completely forgotten to pick something. And when I was putting my notes together, I went, "I." Well, we can not... talk. We can talk through some ideas. We can talk through some ideas here. Well, so here I, I narrowed it down to a couple when I was looking okay, at my, cool. my list of notes. So I am going to give you the uh, two directors as options, and I'll let you pick Ooh, the I director like we're going to talk about, and then I'll give you the the films that I have picked out. Okay. So, okay. Cool. I like this. I like this route. Of course, a recent favorite of mine. I've got an option from Johnny Two, one of my current mm. favorite directors, yes. and then your other option would be a favorite of mine from Chewy Hark. Oh, this is tough. This is a really tough one. I'm going to go with Troy Hark for All now. Right. That is a very good pick because I watched this one recently and I am already very excited to watch it again. But I would love to talk about 2000's Time and Tide. Oh, lovely. Yes, I've a, seen this movie a couple of times. I like Just this movie. Yes. bonkers action film um, with some of mm-hmm. my favorite sequences that I've seen in a long time. So that'll be very fun to talk very about. interesting movie yes the first time i watched this or i'll talk about it more on the next episode but the first time i watched this I, I didn't quite get it i didn't quite grasp onto what was really happening it's a very it's very strange movie yeah. that i'm very excited to to revisit again and sort of analyze and try and pick apart so awesome. that will be our our new year's special will be time yes. and tide from Choi time Arc. and tide so excellent as always you can find us talking about action films and all kinds of films all around the internet letterboxd x slash twitter uh we're on blue sky i don't know how much either of us are using that at the moment trying to use it more <laughs> trying to use it more i always forget I'm, i've I, I i swore to myself i wouldn't use twitter as much but i keep falling back to twitter it's, it's hard so to switch sorry, to every platform but um, i know yeah we are certainly there and you can find us there um, go to thetwingeeks.com if you want to find more podcasts, more us, more of us talking about movies. If you want to find more of us writing about movies, head over there to thetwingeeks.com. And then we will be back on New Year's Day to talk about time and tide. I'll see you then, Jack. We'll see you next year for Troy Hark and Vaughn and Jack. 
that that's a terrible send off, but that's one we're landing on. <laughs> that's that's we'll, where we're going. Right, 2020, 2024 <laughs> is the year we find a sign off. <laughs> it's uh, it's the hardest part of a podcast. That's what that's our it's promise literally. for 2024 is we'll have a good oh. sign off. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time. Uh, Yippee ki yay, man. <laughs>